For 60 years, I've been involved in researching, experiencing, praying for, receiving healing. And I want to just try and say something in an overview today, because when I first did this uh, in full, I took seven whole sermons to go through it. And you can't compress seven sermons into half an hour. A church not a million miles away from here had set up a healing service and they had invited a very eminent speaker on the subject of healing. It was on a Friday night and everyone began to turn up on Friday night and pasted over the notice of the healing service. Sorry, the healing service is cancelled the speaker is ill. <laughs> and that is not incidental to what I want to say. Because for 60 years, I've been involved in this whole area. And there is more mystery about healing than about many other subjects. And yet I don't want the idea that there is mystery to get in the way of you hearing a little bit about what God is doing in all sorts of ways and what God may well want to do uh, in and indeed through you. We've been reminded that we're focusing on the fivefold ministry, the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelistic, the pastoral and the uh, teaching. We've been told that these gifts that God gives are tools, they're not toys, they're not to be played with. And I guess for myself as a former pastor, that whole issue of gifts is so key because one of the key responsibilities of leadership is detection, development, deployment, and discipline. And don't neglect the last one. If I told you I had a special ministry in singing, uh, you might have to come up and whisper me, arm round the shoulder, John, your gifts may lie in one direction, but not there. Which is why when I was preaching in my former church, they always turned the microphone off. I felt deeply offended, not really. They were just being very honest. I cannot, in half an hour, do justice to a subject like this. There are 272 verses plus in the scriptures that refer to this topic. I've researched them all in the course of 60 years, very obviously. And if you would like a copy of those, because I am basically committed to speaking. Am I doing something wrong, Richard? Okay, sorry. I thought the voice was sounding all right. Uh, yeah, I'm committed to uh, providing anyone who wanted those a list if you haven't got a concordance. So you can look at everything I'm going to say and test it by the only place that it can be tested, which is not by experience, but by what the Word of God says, because experience needs to be founded in the Word of God. You are... Hebraic in your thinking, at least you should be. You are not Greek, 
You need not divide yourself up into spirit and body and somehow think there's an artificial distinction. You are totally, and the vast majority of scripture is Hebraic. It links together mind, body, spirit, emotions. And I want to say that because it's absolutely important because some of the extremes and the distortions in the field of healing, and I see it all the time when I travel, and it's not unknown in this country too, is where people forget that those things are linked together. Surprise, surprise, why is it a surprise? Because God made us mind, body, spirit, emotions. Three different key words for healing. You can go and research them yourself. The root word uh, for healing is sozo, or soteria. And that's the word that is sometimes and often translated as save, or sometimes translated by heal. They are totally interchangeable as words, and the context will determine how the translators will actually put it in the scripture. And if you understand, you are a psychosomatic whole. That's a big word, forgive me. You are one. You cannot separate your emotions from your body or your body from your spirit. They all connect. I have been very exercised as I was preparing this to think how I should go. And I'm going to speak very personally. And will you please not misunderstand? Mark said it very clearly. I'm telling you true stories that I've been involved in and or have experienced, but it is not about me, it's about God. Okay? And as long as you hear that, I have license. I want to talk about healing in three different ways. I want to talk about it spiritually, I want to talk about it physically, and I want to talk about it emotionally. And then I want to try and add some helpful pastoral comments at the end. At least I hope they will be helpful. Fifteen years ago, I was preaching through Romans, a big church, 350 members in Wolverhampton. And onto the back seat, as often happens, came three totally unknown people to me. You could look at them and see that they were obviously not uh, white Caucasian, let's put it that way. And they sat at the back. And uh, they drifted off rather quickly before I could get to them. That's fine. No doubt others spoke to them. Next week, they came to me, and I was at the front. They came early. And they had three great big bags. A lot bigger than this bag. Three of them. they came to me and they were full of chocolate well I'm a chocoholic I'm all in favor by the way chocolate you heard that chocolate um, and they told me this story true story they were Iranians they are distantly related to the royal family and they had fled from Tehran at the time they had been through a story that you would not want to hear of how they got to this country they were liberal Muslims, else why were they sitting at the back of a Christian church? 
And they heard me say that there is power in the name of Jesus. Little did I know that half an hour before they came to church, they had had a telephone call from their father, who was a very eminent government person uh, under the old Shah, to say that, uh, I beg your pardon, from the, from the wife, to say that their father had been rushed into the hospital with a major heart attack, a really serious major heart attack. Now, somewhere in the middle of all this, the Holy Spirit had cottoned on to these three. And they'd heard me speak about the name of Jesus, and they didn't have very much faith in uh, Muhammad's name. And they prayed in the name of Jesus. And the man was literally, miraculously, instantaneously healed in Tehran General Hospital. So within a couple of days, he had been released, and they could not find out what had led to all the signs that pointed to a total, total um, healing. And the, the chocolate, by the way, was just the way of saying thank you. Uh, that's to be encouraged, actually, if you know. <laughs> uh, if you want a word of direction, I have no authority from the leaders to say this, but... Three months later, I had the joy of leading them to faith in Yeshua, Jesus, and baptizing them. I'll tell you that was a, do you remember that? It was an incredible service. Another three weeks went by, and I was down at the Old Bailey supporting them because they had asked to have their political papers naturalized and I was down there supporting them, each one individually. The first one gave her testimony and told how much danger she was in if she was sent back to Tehran, and told the judge in one of these big courts in the Old Bailey that uh, she had given her heart to Jesus and she was a Christian, and uh, she gave a very clear testimony, and then the judge said, uh, Reverend Farron, are you here somewhere? And I was sort of cowering on the back seat. And um, he said, would you take the witness stand? I said, yes. He said, do you believe this woman is genuine? And so I gave a very positive answer to that. He says, she keeps on talking about Jesus and the gospel. What's all this about? And I said, how much time have I got? <laughs> So the high court heard about the power that's in the name of Jesus. Now I look at most of you, I look at all of you, and I suspect most of you are already, have already experienced that real spiritual healing that is the most important part of healing. Did you hear me say that? The spiritual is the most important for the simple reason that that's the eternal part of you. This body, 75 years old, maybe soon will stop beating and I shall die. But the eternal part of me is healed. And it is, by the way, as I shall say in a moment, going on being healed, right? It's a healing process. 
sanctification and all our development of our spiritual lives is rooted in that. So spiritual healing, that's the most important part. I did research at post-grad work for the Nigerian church. They knew I was a charismatic and they still love me. And so every time I interviewed anybody, they knew when I talked about healing that I was actually speaking about, or at least they thought I was talking about physical healing. Well, physical healing is part of the message of the gospel. It's not the center, it's not the most important part for the very simple reason that your body's decaying and you're dying. And whether you believe that or not, you are. You are. And I am. I was for two years the chaplain of a healing center before I ever took up my last pastorate in Wolverhampton. And we saw some incredible things and I could keep you here for all day telling you stories of miraculous healings that I've seen and been involved in. And that is about, all right, it's not about me, please. It's about Jesus. I was the chaplain at this center and people would make appointments to come. I'm trained as a counselor and they would come and talk to you. But there was always a healing service and it was very much focused on healing. Holistic, mind, body, spirit, emotions. You've got that point, haven't you, by now? And we had people come to stay with us. One lady came terminally ill with cancer. She came for her final three weeks just preparing to die, as our Methodist friends would say. Charles Wesley, prepare to make a good death. She came to die. God touched her. She went back to her surgeon, consultant in BRI, Bristol Royal Infirmary. He could not find a single cancer cell in her body. Literally like that. That was God. She died three years later, but God touched her. To the center came a little dumpy lady with her, can I say that, non-PC, isn't it? <laughs> she was dumpy, believe me. There's lots of other words I could use. <coughs> and she, she was, you could see straight away, she had major sight problems. And she had a carer with her. She needed a carer permanently. The, per, the carer was actually quite sick as well with spina bifida. And this lady uh, came to me, the one who was having major sight problems, and we talked, and she had come quite deliberately. She said, will you lay hands on me and anoint me in the name of Jesus? I said, yes, that's what we're here for. She said, I want you to pray that the, I, I'm blind, completely blind in one eye. The other sight is just about gone. I want you to pray that the eye where the sight is nearly gone will be healed. Right? So I prayed that. And I said it with oil. You know when you pray for some people, sometimes you feel and sense something, sometimes you don't. Absolutely no sensation. Went back. We had a flat in the house. Uh, next morning, I came down and she was dancing, bouncing up and down, and the, the floor was shaking as well. Uh, <laughs> I still remember, this is true, this is to the glory of Jesus. 
And she came and threw her arms around me. Well, I'm a bit of a feely, touchy person anyway, so that was fine. And I was trying to sort of, what, you know, what's all this about? I said, I can see. Well, I, I can see, but God's healed the eye that was totally blind. The one you played, prayed for is still very, very fuzzy. <laughs> Later the week, later in the week, Akira came to see me. Not a Christian. Spina bifida girl, I told you. She said, can I talk to you? Yeah, I said, that's what I'm here for. And we sat and we talked. She said, no, something remarkable happened. Because we were in a residential setup and there were two beds, two single beds and in each room. And she said, you know, you prayed for my friend. I said, yes. She said, do you know what happened that night? I said, no. She said, I woke up in the middle of the night and standing next to my friend was someone so tall, dressed in total white, just laying his hands upon her. She said, who was it? And being a reasonably intelligent animal, I said, well, who do you think it was? You can answer the question yourself, because I don't know. Maybe Jesus, possibly. An angel, certainly. But she could see. Well, it was only two days later that the spina bifida carer came to faith in Jesus. Well, listen, every time someone experiences a dramatic miracle, doesn't actually lead to that. People can still experience miracles and still reject the source of the miracle. Spiritual, they're really important. Physical, one of the signs of the kingdom, the kingdom's here, it's not yet here fully, it's what we call now, and it is not yet, right? You understand? We see signs of the kingdom, they point to the king, which is what all miracles and all signs are about, but they're not total. Christian church doesn't have a briefing to go and lay hands on every single person in the world. If it happened automatically, and I'll come to this in a moment, in the next hour. Uh, if it's happened automatically, well, there wouldn't be a sick person in the world, and there are millions and millions of them, including some of us, including your preacher. Emotionally. I was pastoring a large church before I finished and we were going through the trauma of losing my daughter with thymic carcinoma and she died. I was researching healing at the time. It was emotionally a desperately traumatic time and yet God sustained us in a remarkable way. We were then looking after my son with our two grandchildren and a big church to look after and good old stupid me had managed to suppress all my emotional reaction. I'm good at that. There's a lot of men like here. Mind you, it's not unknown amongst women too. And so, six months after Claire died, I developed very, very serious irritable bowel syndrome. Okay? Suppressed pain. 
And the fact actually about this is remarkable because I was almost lost my life when I first went to Nigeria as a 21-year-old. So the fact that I kept so well was remarkable, but IBS I had, and it was horrible. If you've ever had that struggle, you'll know. And some of you, I know it's not unknown in the congregation. I was traveling uh, along the 46 on the way. I'd been away to minister somewhere on the third world. Uh, Rachel was fast asleep on the front seat. And we were traveling through one of those typical Welsh storms. It was black and dark and there was thunder and lightning. And I was talking to the Lord. And the Lord had been talking to me and saying, there's something not right here for you. You're not dealing with this properly. She was precious beyond words to me. But she saved her home in heaven. What are you worried about? Why have you not dealt with this? And I suppose a, f- a form of, I don't know how you describe it. I'll just tell you what happened. Suddenly there was this most incredible light surrounding the car. There was flashes of light. And as clearly as I've ever heard God say anything, it wasn't audible. God spoke to me from Malachi. The Son of God has risen with healing in his wings. Twelve years ago, I have never ever since then, praise to God, taken any medicine for IBS. Right? And that was because God dealt with the emotional part of my life and I'm a fiercely emotional animal but then we all are however we express it or repress it can I add one or two things because time has nearly gone always allow God to have space when it comes to healing I've seen some instantaneous things. I could, t- I could keep you here all day, literally telling you of some instantaneous things. But I also know, both pastorally and from personal experience, that more often than not, did you hear that? More often than not, the healing processes that God instigates in our lives, whether they are spiritual, physical, or emotional, take time. Francis McNutt, who was probably one of the leading thinkers, a uh, uh, charismatic Roman Catholic back in the 60s and 70s, introduced us to something which I guess has its roots in what is unconsciously or maybe consciously being done in the inspired, where you're talking about the whole idea of soaking prayer. Prayer takes time. Healing sometimes takes time. It doesn't happen instantaneously. Sometimes it does. It's rare. It's rare. But when it does, thank God and recognize that it's God. Can I quickly say a word about the thing that drives me potty when I'm traveling? Uh, with working with pastors in the third world. They have got hold of this half a truth about naming it and claiming it in relation to healing. And it is so unhelpful. I know we have authority. Of course we do. But the authority is God-given and it's rooted in the sovereign will of God, not in us. So this idea that we can name it and claim it is to miss out the whole dimension of the sovereign will of God, as we shall see as I race to a conclusion. See, 
Some theologians try and tell you it's all rooted in the cross. There's an automatic connection between the cross and healing. By his stripes we are healed. You know that's true. But it isn't automatic. It's not the whole truth. We have the spirit. We know the kingdom's here. We were hearing, I missed it. I heard it on tape. All that Graham said about faith, pestis, trust. We have enough faith. But you must allow, please, please, I beg you, you must allow God to be God. Right? You're not God. Neither am I. And I'm saying that because, and time's gone and I've missed out great sheaths of this stuff. Let me remind you of one of the key things. And it's something that I increasingly with age have to recognize operates in my own life though I've known quite remarkable touches from God if you bring yourself to God or you bring someone else you remember remember Paul you're going to 2 Corinthians 12 there was a man of vision a man of incredible leadership skills probably would have been almost impossible to live with you actually really work out the sort of man he was. But he had a problem, a a significant problem. Some scholars will tell you he had a problem with his eyes. Don't know. There's plenty of scholars who will tell you that he had a recurrent uh, sort of undulant uh, 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 malaria-type fever which is well known in the Anatolian highlands of Turkey. Don't know. So there's a man of God. All he's got to do is pray and it's resolved. Yes? No, no, no. It doesn't work like that. You go and look at Epaphroditus. You go and look at Tropimus. You go and look at Luke. You go and look at Timothy. Sickness was known in the church. And some people had to work with the fact, and you will at some stage, if you haven't already and maybe still are, deal with this and I'm still dealing with this one Jesus may say to you no and if he says no it is not because he isn't good and it is not because he is powerless it is because for purposes that are beyond your capacity to understand or mine he's got bigger purposes do you understand that God actually knows more about this than you do than I do. It's incredible how wrapped up we get and sort of almost develop a sort of deistic sort of approach ourselves. My grace, here's the answer, my grace shows up in weak people. Right? Am I the only one? Do I see any others? Yes, I do. I know you do. If God trusts you with something, he will have a purpose when we were ministering to Claire, my daughter, daughter-in-law, as she died, and they gave her three months, and she fought like a cat for about three years because she had two little boys. And we talked about this issue, that could we trust the sovereignty of God? Yeah? Could we trust the sovereignty of God if he said no? 
And if he says no, it is never again, I repeat, never because he can't. It is because he has some bigger purpose that you may have no idea, that I may have no idea. And I think about the impact that Claire's passing had right around the world. And I can dare to believe, even in the painfulness of it, that God had a greater purpose than this granddad would have liked to pray. Mark said to us, we need to come in faith and we need to bring people in faith. Nothing I have said should discourage you from asking God. Whether it's spiritual, the eternal part, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, the time frame will be in God's hands. But we can bring ourselves and we can bring others to this God who heals mind, body, spirit, emotions.